rotten motherfucker. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mostly Harmless Podcast. I'm your host, Damon Damien. All right, buddies. Now on today's episode of the Mostly Harmless Podcast, we have a very special episode for you today. Now, today we host uh, Mr. Yale Stewart. Now, Yale, of course, is the webcomic creator of the fine, fine, fine webcomic JL8, which is a reimagining of the Justice League, which includes Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Power Girl, Flash, Green Lantern, and Martian Manhunter as eight-year-old kids in daycare. He also does a wonderful little uh, comic book called Gifted. And he's also uh, featured in the image comic book Luther Strode. I think it's Legend of Luther Strode. I could be wrong. Uh, He does a backup series in that. Fantastic young artist and writer, and I'm very thrilled to have him on the show. Because not only that, we hope to continue to host comic book creators, filmmakers, comedians, etc. on the show. That's kind of been the whole purpose and point of this. I was actually wrestling back and forth whether to or not to give Yell his own episode or not. But fuck it, we're going to add everybody together. We also have uh, the Atom Age. Adam Age are a fantastic rocket from the crypt meets voodoo glow skulls meets 1950s rockin' fucking roll band from the Bay Area. They're also on the legendary um, punk ska label, Asian Man Records. We'll get to talk to them later on in the episode. Uh, but no, those are fantastic reasons for today's episode to be a special episode, but those aren't it. I mean, those are it, but I mean, those aren't it, friends. Friends, every episode I get to spend with you guys is a very special episode to me. But, of course, that's every episode. Uh, how many more times can I say episode in the next five minutes? I don't know. Let's say episode again. Um, with with this podcast right here, we're going to be crossing the 10,000 download slash listen mark. Now, I don't know how many of those downloads or listens were on accident. I don't know how many people listen to the first five minutes of me rambling and then hit stop. I don't know how many uh, people hit replay over and over and over again on the uh, web page and they counted each and every one. And to be honest with you, I don't care because 10,000 is a dumb number. Um, I'm not saying that in like, it's just baffling to me that something I've created in my living room, uh, in the bars, just holding a microphone in my hand and asking people I like questions it's baffling to me that there have been 10,000 downloads of that. Like, I, I can't even wrap my head around it. Of course, Mark Marin, the Nerdist, um, those guys shit 10,000 downloads an episode. Easy. They, they do that an episode, if not more. Little old me, like, I mean, you can do the math. You can, you can look at how many uh, episodes we've had and go, ooh, those aren't very good download numbers. But I don't care because it's, it's bizarre that I've done something this dumb and stupid. And and I'm I'm not I'm being jokey about it because I I do feel that I've made something good and I I feel that I am good at interviewing bands not always sometimes I fuck up and they're not as good as as all, as they should be and sometimes I don't I don't even put half my heart into it but ten thousand downloads God damn. <laughs> I, uh, it, it's just so uh, baffling to wrap my head around it. It just feels like such a dumb number. I mean, I I, mean, I, c- I could barely wrap my head around 1,000 downloads, much less 10,000. And, of course, you know, I'm talking to my buddy Chris who runs Life as a Party podcast, and he's telling me, he's like, oh, dude, I do 1,000 downloads an episode. But still, like, this is the little engine that could, and I look at the numbers daily and weekly and monthly, and I look at 
and I look and I watch and I see that people are coming, people are downloading and people are coming back, downloading more. And I couldn't do any of this without you. And I really do mean it when I say every episode with you is a special one because I couldn't be doing it without you guys. I'm just a dumb guy who likes asking people questions. I, I literally sit in my apartment and I do practice interviews with people so I can figure out weirder, dumber questions to ask people that nobody else has ever asked them that I'd like to hear asked. And, um, and I'm very happy that people have been listening, and I appreciate it very much. Uh, it all came to accumulation this last uh, it was Super Bowl Sunday. I'm hanging out in Denver, Colorado. Uh, the venue I work for, our sister venue, the Summit Music Hall, did a Super Bowl Sunday party with the Menzingers, Law Dispute, and Hot Water Music. Uh, so before the show that night at the Summit Music Hall, you got to come in. If you had a ticket, you got to watch the Super Bowl with Hot Water Music and the Menzingers and Law Dispute and... I'm not a football guy, but it, it was kind of cool just walking in. And I, and and this this is a true story. I'm walking in. I'm getting my ID checked by the security guard, and I see my buddy Scotty Bell, who's the tour manager of the Menzingers. He was the tour manager of Cheap Girls, too, who if you haven't checked out, you should. You should check out all these bands. And I see my good buddy Tom May, who's been on the show. He's the guitar. He's one of the guitar players and one of the singers of the Menzingers. Tom May makes eye contact with me, hits Scotty Bell in the el- arm, elbow, whatever, and goes, holy shit, Damien's here. And it's just one of those moments where it's like, this is all right. This is, you know, I don't make a dime off this. I spend more money than I make on this podcast, but it's I, I don't do it for money. I mean, hopefully one day, one day we'll be able to do something, but fuck it. I do it for the love of meeting people and interviewing bands, and, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted Yale Stewart on here because I read his comic strip, and I went, I want to be friends with that guy in some form or fashion, and hopefully we can be, you know. And then, like, later on after the Hot Water Music Show, it was my first night, like, drink, drink, drinking in uh, about five weeks and uh, you know, enough people had asked me if I wanted a beer that I finally caved in and started drinking and I found myself completely backstage harassing Chuck Reagan and Chris Woolard but Chuck Reagan remembered me from that interview and he should because I harass him every single time I see him because he's one of my heroes and for those of you who don't know whenever I say hello friends I'm, I'm directly ripping off Chuck Reagan his live record his first live record uh, live at Los Feliz uh, which I admitted to him and he goes and from what I kind of remember he was, hey, that's okay buddy all right, man. So, Chuck Reagan, Hot Water Music, I love you. I wouldn't be doing any of this if it, if you hadn't been dumb enough to let me sit down and talk with you. Uh, again, I don't mean to... Fuck it. Like, I, I know these intros are long and boring and nobody actually listens to them and you fast forward through them. Um, but thank you. Thank you all for listening to them. And thank you all for just listening to me be a dumbass. That's all I got to say. I, I'm flattered. I'm flabbergasted. And uh, I'm going to keep doing these because... When I get done doing an interview, I'm left with a very, very euphoric sense of wellness. I guess that's what euphoria means is wellness, but I feel good. I feel happy about myself. I throw the episode up online, and then I watch the numbers, and I stress out. I'm like, ah, damn, this episode isn't doing as good as I wanted it to. And it's always the episodes I didn't expect to do that great that do awesome and the ones that I expected to do great do shitty. So I've just kind of learned to just throw them up there and just let it happen. And uh, thankfully, because these are all online and all for free that you can find forever and ever and ever, um, the ones that should get downloaded a lot end up getting downloaded a lot. And that's because guys like you who are listening to me ramble, um, click share, email to your friends, you link it, 
Uh, thank you. I couldn't do any of this without you. Um, without any further avail, uh, originally this Yale Stewart interview, I only envisioned it being 10, 15 minutes long, but I have a hard time stopping myself. Once I get on a roll writing questions, I have a hard time stopping myself, and then it just becomes a different beast. And so instead, we get like 35 minutes with Yale. He's a good dude. He stutters a little bit, and I'm not, I'm not calling that out as a... Uh, bad thing it's just it's cute because you can tell he's like he's not used to answering questions about himself and now he's got this world famous web comic and it's cool to see somebody still in this infancy and the struggles he's having dealing with with uh being a popular web web comic artist and that's one of the reasons why i wanted him on the show without any further rambling let's just go ahead and jump right into the yale stewart interview um Please, if you're not a uh, comic book fan or webcomic fan, please give it a listen because you'll learn a lot about create creativity from Mr. Yale Stewart. And uh, I think he comes from a similar place as all of us from the uh, late 80s, early 90s um, cartoons and comic books and whatnot. And uh, there's some, some great stuff to be learned. After that, we'll be back with the Adam Age. So stick around. Um, okay, so uh, let's get started. You're Ye- uh, Yale Stewart. St. Louis. Uh, you do the fantastic uh, webcomic called uh, JL8, once upon a time called Little League. Uh, changed for legal reasons, but that's okay. JL8 might be a, a, it might be a better name, after all, than Little League. I, uh. <laughs> it's easier to find when you type in JL8 into the uh, Google matrix. It pops up easier than Little League. Yeah, I suppose that that's true. Um, so anyway, so I, I uh, m- most of what this podcast is about, mostly we deal with musicians, but I'm trying to branch out. I'm a huge comic nerd, or once upon a time I was, uh, but I like the origin stories of people. So I'm curious, um, when did you first put, like, I, c- I can imagine you probably, it was a crayon to paper or crayon to some kind of wall, but uh, when did you first start drawing things? Actually, um, that is that is kind of an interesting question because the f- the first memory I have of producing art was not crayon, it was... Uh, uh, paint. Oh, wow. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was it was finger paint. But uh, my first memory of producing any kind of artwork was I was in preschool and I had finger painted a Michelangelo Ninja Turtle painting. So, yeah, you know, when people ask like, "Oh, how long have you been drawn?" It's like, well, since I could. So, you know, pretty much, pretty much my whole life. Nice. But yeah, no, like I, I don't know why I remember that so vividly, but it's it's a pretty it's a pretty clear memory. So I, that one's an easy one for me to answer, actually. Nice. I actually have a similar, except for me, it was crayons against uh, the white wall in my parents' uh, well in my house growing up, trying to draw Castle Grayskull from He Man and the Masters <laughs> of the Universe. So that's just oh, one of those. Yeah, and of course it was not very good. It was just scribbles all over the wall, but you know whatever. <laughs> Um, I'm pretty sure my painting was literally just green and orange splotches, <laughs> you know, like green top, orange across the orange line across it represented his, you know, headband eyes or whatever, and then orange underneath, and then you know, the rest was similar. But right on. Um, so I, I was reading in a couple of interviews, you said that comics weren't necessarily a first love, but cartoons were. So it's interesting that you bring up Ninja Turtles right away. Um, they were also a gateway for Ninja Turtles specifically were a gateway for me into comics because of the Archie series that I could get for, you know, I'm 31. I think you're what 25, but, uh, but when I was a little kid, you could go to the Seven Eleven and 
we'd go every Friday and get Slurpees, the dollar ones, but instead I would get the uh, the Ninja Turtle Archie comics. But I'm curious, like, uh, what were cartoons your first um, thing that grabbed you? They were. Um, and, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of – I think it would be really tough for that not to be the case <clears throat> um, for anyone kind of of my generation or probably even yours. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the 80s and early 90s kids because, let, I mean, let's face it, you can access a television earlier than you can make it anywhere that probably carries comics. Right. Especially for my set. Um, that was, like, really when the direct market was taking off and that was like the only place that you could get comics. So I didn't really have the chance to like go to seven 11 or go to other places and just like pull one off a spinner rack, you know? So, um, so yeah, I mean, Batman, the animated series kicked off in 92. So I would have been four years old. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's pretty much like right there in your face. And I mean, I got into comics like starting in first grade, so I'm not one of those people that like went up until I was like say in high school or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, television is easier to get into the house than comics are. Yeah. So so yeah, cartoons were uh were my starting point for action adventure fiction, as it were. Yeah, I, I was very lucky though. I. I... At the time, I was hitting that adolescent age of getting into them. Comic books were slowly get coming out of like the supermarkets and whatnot because the direct market uh, had taken off. And but uh, yeah. but uh, what were your favorite car- cartoons? You already mentioned Ninja Turtles and Batman. What else was there that really grabbed you? Oh man, everything. There was a, there was a lot. Um, I'll I'll try and keep it to like the pre comic era, pre like when I started liking comics. So there was obviously Batman the Animated Series, Ninja Turtles, the real Ghostbusters, Transformers, uh, Double Dragon may have been on at that time, which I didn't get to see a lot of, but I remember thinking that show was super cool. Uh, I know that there's at least one or two more. Give me one second because I want to get like a a wider range. Like my dad, we used to rent like Woody Woodpecker VHSs a lot and watch those. So I always enjoyed that. And then, you know, I guess, guess, like, the X-Men cartoon kicked off right around the time that I started getting into it. Like, that may have kind of been what sort of pushed me over the edge because I was so fond of the Batman show and, you know, totally digging the X-Men show that I was kind of like, okay, I need to figure out. Apparently, these are something called superheroes, and they come from comic books, so, like, I need to figure out where those are. So, So, yeah, pretty much, I mean, it was pretty much just, like, the staple yeah, late yeah. 80 early 90s cartoon set and then you know power rangers came out <laughs> and while not being a cartoon it was certainly helpful in you know stoking an interest in like the superhero genre nice um and i take it you were still drawing all the way up until that age uh wh- when did you figure out that you could tell stories with your own drawings um probably not until i finally saw a comic book right um because, you know, as a kid, a cartoon doesn't really quite register as a set of drawings. Um, so I didn't really equate the two until I uh, first saw a comic. And my first attempt at that, I also remember that pretty well, I, w- I would have to say was in first grade. We, you know, we used, we used God, I can't talk. We used to, you know, keep, keep journals. And we would do, like, journal assignments. 
And, you know, or we would do just like creative writing exercises, like write a four page story, you know, whatever. And I think I like took it upon myself to, it was more like an illustrated book thing where I would do a drawing to kind of represent the accompanying text. It wasn't like a full on comic, but, uh, yeah, I think I gave it the first shot when I was, uh, when I was in first grade nice. and it was about Mortal Kombat characters. I remember that very well. Uh, when I was in the fifth grade and I, I did the same thing, our creative writing English class in the fifth grade of all places, I did Bartman comics very much in that same way. It wasn't actual comics, but it was, you know, my crappy tracings accompanied by my crappy story. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I really wish I still had that journal somewhere. I, I mean, I know for a fact that it's long gone, but it would be fun just to go back and take a look at it. Nice. Um, so whose who's work do you look at? Like uh, in the blog and the other interviews, you talk about how you're constantly seeing improvement in your work. Who's, whose work are you looking at who keeps pushing you to uh, progress, I guess? I guess, I guess that makes sense. Some kind of sense. I don't know. Um, that's kind of – I feel like that's a tougher question than it needs to – or a tougher answer okay. than it needs to be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like the people, the artists I look at that push me furthest are the ones that I know personally. Um, like Trad Moore, who does Luther Strode. I mean, he and I, he's like one of my best friends. And uh, I'd like to think that there's some healthy, friendly competition there. I mean, he and I are com- from two like completely different schools of art, even though we went to the same art school. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I look at his stuff and it always blows me away. So I'm like, well, screw that. <laughs> I'm going to blow his stuff away. And then the same goes for uh, Tyson Hess and Andy Kluth. They're both primarily webcomic artists. Andy does a webcomic called Nerd Rage. Tyson does one called Boxer Hockey, and he's been getting involved. He, he's He's got another creator-owned project called Diesel. And the three of us were actually roommates in college. We were dorm mates. And uh, again, we're all... Actually, Tyson and I have a lot of similarities, but Tyson's also a little bit older. So, you know, that it, that always kind of fans the flames of motivation. In terms of, like, professional artists who I've been looking at that really make me want to try something new, like, lately, specifically, it's been uh, Eichiro Oda, the artist for One Piece, the manga. Um, I, I started reading that. Kind of on a whim, Tyson was actually really into that in in college, but I never gave it a shot. And it's it's crazy. It, it's it's amazing. And you know, I, like I'm looking at it, and I'm just like, holy crap! Like I need to I need to up my game to match this guy. And then you know, they're the staples. Like anything Koipel does makes you want to do better. Um, same with guys like Chris Bocciolo. Uh, Stuart Eminen and then you know guys like kind of newcomers I air quote newcomers but like uh, James Heron is so unbelievably good and then you know now that Mike Mignola is back doing Hellboy looking at that stuff (laughs) so yeah I mean pretty much not to sound horribly snooty but you know I don't buy comics that I think that I think I could draw better than right. the artist. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I'm only going to read comics who have art where I'm just like, these guys are 
leaps and bounds ahead of me. So pretty much everything I read really um, has me striving to be like, I need to get to that level. I need to get to that that status. Not status is the right word, but you know that skill level. Right so. on. Well, I'd, I'd say you're doing pretty well for yourself. You got what, uh, IGN's best webcomic of 2012 and some other fantastic little awards there. Um, how how mind-blowing has the response been so far for JL8? Um, very. <laughs> it, 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 it's That's also kind of a, a weird question. Like, I would never pretend that the response that it has received um, doesn't mean anything to me because it's, it's huge. I mean, the fact that, you know, it's got 43,000 likes or something on Facebook, you know, yeah. like, that's ridiculous. If I had to be completely honest, which I will be, I am really curious to know, like, what other industry professionals think about it. Um, because that's kind of a sector of comics that I haven't really heard much from in, in regards to just opinion wise. Like I haven't come across like, Oh, uh, Mike Mignola, since he's already up in, in my head, Mike Mignola thinks JLA is freaking awesome yeah. or something like that, which I mean, you know, your guys' opinion is no more or less valid than a fellow professional's opinion. But I, th- I think anybody can sort of relate to the idea that, like, you, you want to be respected by your peers more than anything. You know, it's kind of like uh, everybody that comes into Target might think that you're, like, the best cashier on the planet, but you want to prove to the other cashiers that you're awesome or something. I mean, that's kind of a really weird analogy, but I, I think you kind of get where I'm coming from. Yeah, you know. So, um, it, 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 I'd been aware of it. I'd, I'd heard of it, and I think I'd read a couple strips. But it was right around the best of stuff. Uh, t- 2012 came about, and I sat down one day, and I just I sat down one day, and I read all the strips, and I just fell in love. And what I really liked about it, it what I I describe it to people as like Justice League Unlimited, like the cartoon. Uh, meets Muppet Babies, meets Calvin and Hobbes, and I grew up on Muppet Babies, and I fucking love the shit out of it. And uh, it, it, why isn't that on Netflix? By the way, it needs to be on Netflix. But uh, but Not what sure. I but, but what I really like is is that it's it's very simple and sweet and earnest. But yet at the same time, you somehow manage in the sweetness of it all keep the complexities of these characters. Um, and honestly, like I, I can't figure out how you do it. Uh, is that a, a a conscience that I can't say that word. Was that a specific decision for you to make to capture these characters and their complexities or was, is it just completely natural for you? I think it's a little bit of both to be totally honest. Um, cause like I'm not really sitting there when I'm writing it being like, I need to make sure that Bruce comes across as very intelligent or something it's just uh that's kind of how they sound in my head i guess as i'm writing it you know um because growing up with batman the animated series and i'll make no bones about it batman's the one i'm probably the most comfortable with comfortable with with uh superman being a close second because again the superman animated series uh it's 
in a way, it's almost like having someone ask you to tell a story about your friends. Nice. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure that you've got friends that even if you haven't seen them in X number of years, you could probably reasonably emulate their, like, speech patterns and behaviors and stuff. Like, maybe you've noticed, like, little tics that they've got. Like, when they are nervous, they'll, you know, scratch their chin or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And, and they're after reading, you know, thousands of comic books over the course of 20-plus years, probably, you kind of just internalize that stuff. And it just kind of comes out as I'm writing it. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's really tough. It, it's so bizarre to me that people consider me, like, a fairly adequate writer because... I don't, like, I've always seen my, I mean, from the get-go, I, I was like, I'm going to be a penciler. I'm going to pencil comics, I'm going to draw comics that other people write. But um, it's certainly very flattering and, you know, appreciated that people think that my writing is as good. Actually, <laughs> it kind of sometimes I think that they think is better than the art, which is kind of a double-edged sword, because on one hand, it's like, oh, well, I'm glad that you like my writing that much. On the other hand, it's like, I... I'd rather be known for my art than my writing. I, I think a lot of it comes through in the pace too, though. I mean, as far as what I like watching Clark hold the book that he wants to give, you know, wonder wonder woman. And then he decides to do the right thing. And just that, the look on his face, I think it all, I think it all works itself together. Um, in a totally coercive way that you can only do with this medium. And I think you, you're doing a pretty good job. So sometimes it's rough and, but I mean, it's fun to watch you grow as an artist and storyteller as well. Yeah, I mean that's that's certainly part of the part of the charm of the web comics thing, um, is that I mean even though you have artists in print comics who are obviously developing their careers, like they're just now getting in, and they'll be infinitely better ten years from now. Like with web comics, it's such sort of like a family photo album type thing, like. Uh, like up and comers at Marvel or something, you might have like one book every couple months or something. But with web comics, you get to see this person, you know, like three or four times a week. Uh, and then you can just kind of like scroll through the archive and like literally watch them morph. Cause I remember going back and like looking through Penny Arcade. Cause mm -hmm. I, I was turned on to Penny Arcade probably in like 2002, 2003 and going, you know, going to Penny, com and going back through the archives and being like, whoa, good God, this is what this comic used to look like and this is what it looks like now. And then even now, going back to where I came into it from, looking at Mike's art and stuff is leaps and bounds. So, yeah, I think that's actually one of the appeals of web comics is that you get to watch an artist grow and hopefully cultivate some kind of a either real or perceived relationship with that person. I know I've done it with web comics that I like, so yeah, I, I assume that it would happen for people that like JLA. <laughs> uh, one thing I wanted to bring up is like you're you're 25 years old, um, yet you write the heart of a like Power Girl. Power Girl has probably my become my favorite character. Good. Um, I'm actually really glad to hear that. Yeah, it's it's something like oddly enough, I I I identify mostly with a eight year old love lo lost love lorn love lost one of those 
young girl. It like you you capture it perfectly. And I just how does a twenty five year old male capture a little girl so well? <laughs> especially because well, I'm kind of a little girl if you knew me in real life I'm I'm, that, I'm very much that way like I'm always in love with the wrong person <laughs> well for starters I'd say that I kind of fall into that camp as well um, but most importantly I think I've got some cheat codes up my sleeve nice. and not that I know any particularly young girls because like I'm the oldest of three brothers so none of my brothers have like nieces or something that I can kind of talk to but uh all my life I've continued to watch like Arthur I don't know if that's probably way underneath your age range at I, that I, I know what it is yeah the art is the uh, artwork is that what it mm-hmm. is yeah yeah by Mark Brown on um, the show on PBS channel 9 whatever um growing up because because I didn't have cable growing up actually I still don't have cable but uh Channel 9 was, like, awesome because there was always something on. You know, as, as awesome as, like, the, the Fox or ABC or whatever was for, like, two hours a day when they would do, like, afternoon cartoons. The rest of the day was just, like, adult crap that you didn't want to watch as a kid. Yeah. But PBS, like, all day it was, like, cartoons and stuff. You had Sesame Street, you had Mr. Rogers, and you had Arthur. And Arthur, I think some people my age kind of balk at it because they stopped watching as they sort of like grew out of it was an incredibly intelligent and like pretty sophisticated kids show. And the, the thing that's really important to note about it is that it never talked down to the viewer, meaning you didn't have this like stupid baby speak, like thinking that the eight year olds watching other cartoon versions of eight year olds, like, it didn't seem like adults writing for kids. It seemed just like that's how kids are. And having always watched that, you start to realize kids and adults aren't really that different. They just sometimes have a different vocabulary and maybe their logic isn't quite as sound. But other than that, like they have feelings. They're, yeah. They get scared. They get sad. They get happy the same as we do it just sometimes comes from different things like to me i'm really really excited when well like i just bought a printer <laughs> like and i'm stoked for this printer to get here in like two days replace that with like a megazord and boom you have you went from a 25 year old story to an eight year old story nice so so really it's just kind of a lot of times it's just like kind of subbing in and out child stuff for an adult story in a lot of ways. I mean, it, it's a little bit more complicated than that, but that's kind of the way that I generally try to look at it. Nice. So nice. I hope that gives a little bit of insight into how I go about it. No, that's a, that's a pretty good, pretty honest way of looking about it. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about Gifted. Um, now, what what how does it feel to have something like JLA – JL8. I keep wanting to say the A. Take off and not. Um, how does it feel to have that take off and then gifted? Gifted I, you, is doing well, but like it's not an, as big an explosion as uh, these other characters that you didn't necessarily create. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> again, trying to keep with the honesty thing. It, it's a little bittersweet 
um, like it should actually be noted. Gift like that gifted that I put up uh-huh. was done long before JL eight was ever even thought of. Uh, when I graduated college in two thousand ten, I had well actually while I was in college, my last sort of trimester because at SCAD it was kind of like a trimester system. Uh, I started work on a graphic novel called Gifted. Um, very short backstory. Gifted was the kind of like newspaper strip that I was doing all throughout high school. Um, and eventually it just kind of morphed into like a full-on comic, whatever. So I ended up producing a 110-page graphic novel of Gifted, titled The Great Party, put the whole thing on DeviantArt, or whatever, and got maybe like five favorites, a couple comments here and there, you know, which, pretty, pretty disheartening, not gonna lie. Um, and then, by the end of that, first of all, I, I had grown leaps and bounds as an artist over the course of those 110 pages, um, and I was like, well, you know what? I really feel like there's something here. Maybe I just need to redraw it. Because the first couple, however many pages, already looked like they were done by a completely different person. And the the thing that's available on Gumroad is actually the redrawn first 32 pages that I took to... I printed out as a mini-comic and took it up to New York Comic Con in 2011, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, that didn't really do anything. And by this time, I'd already been thinking about JL8 a little bit. And, well, actually, that's not true. I'd produced a couple, but they were just something I showed to, like, my friends, you know, for a quick chuckle. And Trad, who I've mentioned already, was like, dude, why don't you put them online? And part of me didn't want to because I had a feeling that that was going to happen, that JL8 might... I didn't think it was going to take off like this, but I thought it would be better received than Gifted. And I was like, well, you know, I'm kind of at the point now because Gifted hasn't gotten me anywhere. Because I, I was, like, pitching it. I pitched it to Oni. I pitched it to a couple other places, I think, to Image. I hadn't heard back. So I was like, well, really all I need to... Really what I need right now is to kind of make a name for myself. I need to, like, create stock in who I am. So maybe JLA will do that. Maybe I'll put them online and people will really like it. And, you know, yeah, they won't be liking JLA, but they'll at least be like, I want to see this guy do a book that then, you know, like an editor or something would kind of hear the rumblings of and get me work that way. So, yeah. Um, and that's pretty much what ended up happening. So, yeah, I mean, the the ego in me, actually, I don't even think it's all that egotistical. I think that it's just, you kind of, you know, everybody kind of already has an affinity for the JL8 characters, whether I'm the one doing it or not. Right. So, so you would like to know that people aren't reading it just because it's Batman stuff. They're reading it because it's Batman done by you. Um, or they're reading a comic, not because it's got Batman in it, but because you're the one that produced it. So, and I mean, Gifted, yeah, I mean, it, it's been kind of a slow burn, but it's I've sold maybe about 130 copies. Nice. Um which, you know, compared to 40,000 likes, you know, it isn't, isn't a whole lot. But, uh, 
I'm glad that people are interested. And, you know, the people that have read it have been like, oh, when's the next one coming out? When's the next one coming out? So, so you know, that's good. And honestly, I should really be thankful that anybody likes my stuff that yeah. much. I, I liked it, and I'm, ex- I'm excited for the next chapter of Gifted and JLA and whatever yeah, else. No, you got, I, so. Yeah, it, it, it's really kind of a bummer because, A, well, because well, now I'm kind of stuck in a weird spot where I want Gifted to become a big thing. You know, because because gifted is kind of like my actual baby. You know, that's like my blankets or my bone or mouse or you know whatever great comic project you can think of. Um, but it's like I can't g- grow gifted unless I make gifted. But I can't make gifted because I'm too busy making JL8 because I don't want to take time off JL8 to make gifted because then I might lose readership over there, and it's it's a whole big goddamn mess. But I'm thinking about maybe, maybe depending, I'll kind of see how Gifted does like over the convention circuit because I'll, I'll probably print them and take them to a convention to sell. And if there's interest, I might try and do like a Kickstarter or something because if I didn't have to do commission work, which is how I'm managing to make this like my full-time gig, if I didn't have to do commission work, I could easily do, I mean, not like a monthly Gifted, but I could probably get at least one, new, you know, on finish the sort of like graphic novel redo um over the course of like a year or something and you know maybe do a kickstarter and take into account like the printing costs and everything but you know maybe give myself like some living money or whatever i don't know we'll we'll figure it out nice. maybe by the end of the con season people are going to be like i really would prefer that you just stick with the whole jl8 stuff and i wouldn't buy gifted if you paid me so then i'll be like okay well never mind I don't think that's going to be the case. <laughs> um, well, I don't either. I, I appreciate that sentiment, but you never know, man. Comics are a fickle, fickle business. <laughs> so there's no telling. Yeah. Well, uh, let's start wrapping this up. Um, this is a mostly music podcast, and I've read that you are a pop punk fan. Um, I, what kind of what bands are you into? What, what's playing in the background while you're working? Uh, well, not so much pop punk right now. I go through phases. Um, I mean, I've always got my trusty kind of pop punk Pandora station, which is, you know, kind of like the staples. You got Blink-182, Weezer, Sum 41, pretty much like the whole kind of like late 90s, early to, early to mid 2000s sort of like pop punk emo scene a little bit with like, you know, Saves the Day and, uh, the starting line, um, stuff like that. But but lately I've really been kind of back onto a uh, what I sort of call quiet is the new loud kick with stuff like Pinback, uh Electric President, um the Weaker Thans. I'm a huge oh, yeah. Weaker Thans fan. Oh Me my too. god. I love the Weaker Thans, dude. Oh, I was so upset lat cuz not this past New York New York Comic Con, but the 2011 one. They did four shows in New York each night playing a full album in its entirety, and I did not know about it. I was furious when I found that out. I, do you know what I would have given to go hear them play <laughs> Left and Leaving all the way through live? Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, but, man. Uh, yeah, you and me both. Shit. I've never yeah. seen them either, so. Oh, me neither. Like, I, I didn't even find out about them until Reunion Tour dropped, which was like 2007, you know, when they were pretty much done. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's really what I've been listening to a lot of, um, the XX explosions in the sky, you know, some instrumental stuff, but, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I keep my I, I like to keep my tastes in everything, especially music, but in everything pretty eclectic. I mean, just like a week ago, I was listening to nothing but Lana Del Rey and Santa Gold and M.I.A. and Kid Sister and a bunch of like female hip hop vocalist type stuff. But now, uh, yeah. but uh, so you talk about doing commission work. Uh, mostly, that's what JL Eight characters, right? Um, right I mean, yeah, that's that's generally what people request. Cool. But um, w- would you be interested in doing like band T-shirts or posters or album art or anything like that? Uh, I would. Um, <laughs> there, there's certainly no guarantee of it, but uh, <laughs> yeah, like if the weaker then hit me up and was like, "Hey, man, design a poster for our show in St. Louis," I'd be like, "Goddamn right, I will." <laughs> but what? but no, I mean, you know. I, I am way more inclined to do that kind of work than say someone that tries to commission me for like a tattoo design or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if there are people that would like me to, I mean, it doesn't hurt to drop me a line. So. Fuck. Yeah. Well, I'll put up uh, links to all your websites and art on my website at mhpod.com or mostly harmless podcast mhpod if you're lazy um but yeah um so where where do you uh where do you foresee this going like uh, what's next you got a bunch of cons coming up oh yeah i've got oh man i think i have nine shows this year yeah i'm kicking it up quite a bit from the three i did last year <laughs> but you know you gotta you gotta get yourself out there especially in a situation where it's not like i'm making money producing jl8 right but i can make money at cons so if i want to continue to not have to work at you know like a panera bread or something then (laughs) cons are where it's at then i mean i I say like it's a bad i I freaking love cons they're so much fun they're draining but they are a lot of fun so i'm not really complaining nice dude um well I'm I'm bummed. I looked at your schedule. You're not coming to the Denver Comic Con, but that's okay. I'll, I'll survive. Hopefully soon, man. Like I, I feel really bad that I haven't been able to hit any of the kind of like Western shows. But again, it kind of boils down to the the financial stuff. Like for all I know, I'll make a. I mean, I don't want to jinx myself, but maybe for all I know, I'll ma- end up making a lot more than I anticipate making at the shows this year, which would in turn help me go to some pricier shows next year so because i mean i would love to get out to denver to emerald city obviously to the california shows but you know just the airfare is like an extra four hundred dollars oh yeah for sure onto the onto the cost so that's kind of prohibitive to where i'm at but hopefully soon because i don't want to ignore a whole portion of the country all right well uh that's all i got for you anything else you want to throw down add in no nah, man. Other than it was, you know, a real pleasure, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it again soon. I'll uh, throw up links on the website. But for those of you who are, don't go to the website, visit JL Eight Comic LOL on Facebook. Facebook backslash JL Eight Comic LOL. Blah blah blah. Go to the website and find it. Um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for chatting, buddy. Thank you. 
All right, I would like to thank Mr. Yale Stewart for being the first person to help me experiment with my cross-pollinization. I like comic books, I like music, and I know people who like music like comic books, and I know people who like comic books like music, and let's bring it all together. Let's let's all be friends. And I, w- I want to bring us all friends together because uh, I've already interviewed a few people that are on uh, the Weaker Thins current record label, uh, Epitaph. Weaker Thins on Epitaph Records. I've interviewed Frank Turner, the Menzigers, Bouncing Souls. And uh, you know what? Let's, let's, you and me, you and me, listener, let's fucking bring these guys together because Yale is a very, very talented, um, smart individual, makes fantastic comics, and let's bring them together and at least get a, some kind of fucking poster. Let's get some kind of like Weaker Thins poster or T-shirt or flyer or something out of these guys because they should be working together because he's great. Go go Google right now JL8 and look at his artwork. He's fantastic. That's why I wanted him on this show because he's good. And you know what? If you're in a band and you want somebody to make a, you a good T-shirt, email him with your idea. Um, I know he was a little coy and shy about doing uh, commissions, but you know what? I bet I got a good feeling about this guy. This guy's going to go places, and you're going to want to have him have gone with you, if you know what I mean. And speaking of good dudes going good places, let's talk about the Adam Age. These dudes are on Asian Man Records. And for those of you not familiar with Asian Man Records, and shame on you for not being familiar with them, Asian Man Records brought to the world Less Than Jake, the Alkaline Trio, Lawrence Arms, and man, I can't even think of all the bands they've also brought to us. The Adam Age are the current addition to this record label, um, and they sound a lot like, to me, Voodoo Skulls meets Rocket from the Crypt, a band they're unashamedly, if that's a word, ripping off, so to speak. Um, it's cool, chaotic, 1950s rock and roll meets late 90s ska. It's cool stuff. I'm a huge fan. It's the stuff. It's the soundtrack of a 1990s Bond movie, I guess. Maybe uh, Secret Spy. I don't, listen for yourself. It's coming up right now. We probably should have opened up this episode with this song to keep you enticed, you comic book guys. But whatever, whatever. I'm still learning the format. Um, this song is going to be called "I Hypnotize." It's off a record called "The Hottest Thing That's Cool." The band, of course, of the Adam Age. It's coming up right now. Once again, this is I Hypnotize off the hottest thing that's cool. Out now on Asian Man Records. Stick around for our interview with the Adam Age. You won't regret it. Yes. 
We are at the back room of the Triple Nickel Tavern in Colorado Springs, hanging out with the dudes from Adam H. Who's uh, who's hanging out? Ryan, lead vocals and guitar. I'm Peter. I play guitar. Brendan, I play saxophone. And and very mightily do you play that sax. Oh, thank you. Sir. Um, you guys are dressed very dapper. Do you have to dress this dapper every night? We try to. When we got signed to Asian Man, Mike Park was like, "You guys have to dress better because it suits the music." So we were like, "We, we call it Mad Men Casual Friday." So <laughs> we're very influenced by '60s stuff, so it, it works, I think. Nice. Um, I've got it written down here, but I can't find it in my notes. What is the? What's the name of the new album? The, the hottest cool- thing that's cool. The hottest thing that's cool. Right. And that's that's taken from a photo book of Elvis. Exactly. Elvis photo book. Um, so I like to talk about the origin stories of people and how they got into music because I find that fascinating. Um, at one point, like I can only assume rock and roll obviously had a big influence on you guys. At what point did you guys find rock and roll and that kind of influence? Uh, I saw American Graffiti when I was 10 years old and ever since I was obsessed with 50s and 60s music. So I guess that's kind of what like started my whole like influence on you know what I play and all that all that jazz. Uh, yeah, that's that's about it. Yeah, I don't know. What what were what were some of the musicians? Uh, I mean, you know, Elvis and uh, you know Gene Vincent and, and you know all the all the no name uh, R and B and soul singers of the. You know, 50s and early 60s. Cool. And how old are you, by the way? I'm 23. Nice. I'm 12. You guys are all very young, <laughs> young, handsome-looking gentlemen. Early 20s, early 20s. You know, just getting out of puberty. <laughs> That's our drummer, by the way. Hi, drummer. What's your name? John Murgaitio, a.k.a. Colombian Tear. <laughs> you guys also have very nice hair going on. We try. We've been, uh, we're just now getting the cohesive look. Uh, I've tried to maintain it for the beginning of the band and uh this guy had hairnet once and uh no, we don't need to long long. Yeah. we don't <laughs> we don't want to get people to like us less let's focus on the, let's focus on the positives here so we're getting more cohesive i guess yeah. okay so back back to the influences right. where, where did you first discover music um I, I i'm originally from connecticut so music is completely dead there and um, I was like the only kid who skateboarded in my town, and I used to get skateboarding videos from California, and they had punk rock in them, and that that that's what turned me on to everything. And then later on, my dad turned me on to a lot of fifties uh, and sixties stuff. Right? Was there so- something earlier that that captured you at a younger age? Or I don't know, just anything. I, I liked like fast stuff. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I've told this story probably about a thousand times on here, but, uh, well, there's only 30 episodes. This will be 31, so I guess I can't have told it a thousand times. But uh, Bruce Springsteen, I have this very vivid memory of listening to Born in USA over and over and over again. Everything I like kind of comes out of that. So that's that's where these questions come from. But uh, what, what about you, gentlemen? What, what What is your first and obsession? Start with him. Start with him. Shut up. All right, my grandpa was uh, the band director of Buholtz High School in Gainesville, Florida. Nice. And my very first musical memory was just, you know, being in his band room and just banging on all the instruments and just, you know, just going nuts and having fun with it, you know. And it's just like, that was my first musical memory. Nice. And then uh, how did you start playing sax? Um, Through the same... I saw the owl playing saxophone on Sesame Street when I was two, and that was like the coolest thing I'd ever seen up to that point. It still kind of is. <laughs> <laughs> so what about you? 
Oh, for me, I mean, I just, uh, man, I was actually, I was actually, I was actually born in South America, in Colombia. And I mean, I was basically, I was basically, you know, I basically, whatever was put down there music-wise, I mean, I just, I, you, I somehow kind of inclined myself for rock, it caught my attention. Yeah, that, that was a, yeah. Somehow drums caught my attention the most. I always find that to be like the most inter interesting instrument like out of everything. I mean, just personal preference and that's basically what kind of got me into it. Brian, uh, Brian, who books shows here now, he was very impressed at how hard you hit the drums. He was like, man, I love that about him. Not hard enough, not yet. Almost. I guess not for him. <laughs> 75%. I'm still trying. I'm still trying. <laughs> cool. Um, so we covered everybody, right? Okay, cool. Yeah, I drank two pots of coffee, and they just kicked in about half an hour ago. Oh, nice. Fucking out of control. Um, so, again, uh, the hottest thing that's cool, um, what does that represent for the band in the new album, other than it just being a fantastic name? <laughs> We just thought it just sounded kind of kind of crazy and old school, and just kind of fit the sound of the band, you know nice. what we were going for. And the basically the, it was divine inspiration. Um, we were at Sun Studios like right before we recorded the record on our like last tour of our first album, and we saw the book and we're like, that's what we got to call the record. So, <laughs> um, let's talk. Let, let, let's go back a little bit. I'm skipping ahead. Uh, so you play drums and guitar, yeah. and you can sing. And what what was your first instrument? It was drums. I've been playing drums forever. So uh, and I basically like I couldn't find a band that I wanted the sound I wanted to play for on drums. Um, so I was like, I just gotta learn how to write songs and yeah. play guitar. So it was out of necessity for sure. Cool. And what about you guys? We uh, what brought you to your instrument? And how old were you? I play. I used to play trumpet when I was uh, 12 years old. Nice. And then I played violin, nice, so nice. I mean, not very well. <laughs> and then I kind of. I don't know why I quit that. Uh, probably because I couldn't learn any punk rock songs on trumpet. And, That's not uh, true. That's not true at all. Well, I didn't really listen to ska, so I, I couldn't do it. But uh, yeah, oh, so then I day. picked up a guitar when I was yeah like 13, I think. Uh, I never really learned that much though. Just kind of the basics and just went from there. He nice. formed his first band called Halloween Every that Day. That was actually not my first band. <laughs> not his first band. Not my first first Halloween band. Every Day, I think, is the best band in the world. Probably, yeah. It's <laughs> probably the best band ever. Was it, was it very AFI influenced? Uh, surprisingly not. It was, well, I played drums in that band. Okay. <laughs> it was actually more, uh, I would say, I, oh, it was very reggae influenced. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That, that was not really bad. Yeah. That was so weird. I didn't really write the songs And they played, what did you play? One show in an alleyway. We played like five shows. Oh, okay. We played in a bowling alley once. It was pretty cool. Right. Bowling alleys are the best. Nice. Uh, you guys seem to fit that bowling alley aesthetic kind of like with that. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Are, what you, are you saying we look like Smash Mouth? <laughs> no. no. Smash no, 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 Mouth no, no, no. dressed really well. They did. Yeah. They did. Whatever. Probably yeah. do. <laughs> Minus the glasses, they had weird glasses. Oh. I don't know, I would say that that's that's like a cool thing for me. That's fine. <laughs> fine. Yeah, we're, we're trying to we're trying to bring back Smash Mouth. <laughs> so. I, I don't think they went away though. Is you know, the sad thing. No, they relevant. Yeah. yeah, at the county fair. Yeah, did wasn't there? There was some kind of cruise 
that it was like all the awful '90s oh, bands yeah, that, yeah, like right. Smash Mouth and Sugar Ray, Sugar Ray, yeah, and all that yeah. shit. And, but uh, see, those bands are like great compared to what's going on now. At least they yeah. played music, yeah. <laughs> and, they not a, and not a computer. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh man, um, the venue I work at now, we we have electronic. DJs and they it's funny to watch them dance around their laptop and it, it's, it's it's basically they they just hit play on their iTunes pre and yeah. they get paid way more than all of us put together for one night of dancing around a laptop yeah, he works at a club too. I work at a nightclub and I get to see 18 year old DJs make two grand a night yeah. uh, for pressing a button yeah. yeah and then acting like they're pressing more buttons oh yeah well yeah you gotta try and look cool while you're pressing the button yeah. That's the, it doesn't bother me yeah. history always chooses the right side right. and uh, <laughs> they will always be lame every DJ in history has been lame except like lame. cool disc jockeys like from the 50s, that was kind of cool. That's, that's we're still kind of like, yeah, we're such haters, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you got the rap, the RM, the rap DJs. Yeah, you no, got some I, legitimate I like jazz. I like jazz. Yeah, yeah that's nice. <laughs> um, we, we we covered why you started playing sax and why you play drums. Okay, we got that. Um, so you played drums in the queers occasionally. My buddy Justin, yeah, I know, plays drums Girl, occasionally. Yep, I know. Yeah, Lurch. Yeah, he's, he's played. He was actually here last time we played. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He booked the show last time. We were oh, no shit. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I've been playing with them since 2006 on and off. I was just out with them two weeks ago. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so you relocated from Connecticut to Oakland. Yeah, I, yeah, East Bay. I was in Berkeley. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, Fantastic. Yeah. And uh, you found these guys through Craigslist? That's right. The nice. listing Pretty of much, the Craig. Man. Pretty much. <laughs> but that's the thing. That's the benefit of living in a place like San Francisco or whatever. You can find really good musicians right. on Craigslist, whereas, like, you know, in Connecticut, you cannot. Right. Uh, Colorado Springs is very, very much the same way. Yeah. Uh, I got a buddy that lives in L.A. for whatever fucking reason. He lives in L.A. trying to do the music thing out there. Yeah. And, uh he just will repost the most absurd Craigslist ads on Facebook at all. Yeah. It, it, it is just like, you must weigh X amount of pounds. You can't be over. And it's just ridiculous. So, but do, do you know there's people out there applying? Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah, I can make it. This band's <laughs> going to sound great. just like Evanescence. <laughs> um, so very, uh, uh, how did you guys... How did you guys bond over that first uh, experiences it to w- form this band? Yeah, it was tough. Like I was, I was just playing with anybody. Like that's we what we call the Atomic Age era, which was like the first like six or seven months, and kind of just to get out there because I knew it, we needed to have some history, you know. And then we got like Peter and John. That's kind of when it came together, and like Peter just got the vision which was rare. <laughs> so because <laughs> you know it's I definitely not doing something that's popular right now so so i mean it was, that's kind of what brought it together and brendan was he was there from day one he was yeah. in the atomic age and he was just a crazy person so <laughs> he just he just worked we were just, we were also super lucky early on because like i think like a month after i joined the band we did a split with the queers yeah joe helped us out and took, so that he was took us like, on our first tour yeah that was like our first like real thing yeah. was like yeah we like drove out or yeah we flew out to a studio and uh, New Hampshire and recorded that and yeah. that was kind of when things kind of started off nice yeah yeah. yeah I, I remember when you guys first played here I just put on the flyers and all of the uh, internet bullshit like members of the queers even though it's <laughs> even though it's just yeah. you but it, br- it brought people out yeah. I, yeah. I assume that helps everywhere you go you yeah. just yeah. Uh, yeah. play in the queers yeah. Yeah. a lot yeah, but it's kind of weird because it's like 
we're like so members of the queer, and it's like we don't really yeah. sound yeah. anything. Yeah, like a that. lot of queers people want to come out and hear queers part two. You know, I, I, mean? I think yeah. that used to work more before. Now that yeah, people now, have yeah. kind of heard what we sound like, we just kind of probably get yeah, the people that are into what we play. You know, it's slowly getting out there. It's it's a it's a cool surprise too. Thank you. I, I, I was listening to it the other day, and it reminded me of really old Voodoo Glow Skulls, which yeah. you guys aren't a ska band. Yeah. And they, I guess they're, I don't they, know. I would say they're technically a ska yeah. band. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, uh, they, have a, they have a timbali. Yeah. I, th- so I think they're, they're like band. pretty aggressive ska, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like. They're, but, I, we think they're a great band. Yeah. And yeah, we've yeah, we gotten like a chance them. to play with them a few times, and they're just cool guys. Yeah. And they've helped us out. They're on Asian Man again. Yeah, I think so. They're reissuing the first record. Who is this? Which is my favorite. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a good one. it's great. Um, yeah, they have that same kind of chaotic sound that you guys have. Yeah. Um, so, how, how did you initially create the sound in your head? I just like it was like a lot of like rock from the crypt worship, yeah. <laughs> and uh, eventually it got like you know. It, it's like with our first record I I wrote it and performed there was a band really mm-hmm. so it was kind of like I'm just like a sucker for pop like stuff so it was kind of more hooky and poppy than what I actually envisioned the sound to be we hit it a few times with a couple songs but this record it's like we we brought it more together with which which was a lot more you know 60s garage stuff and uh, surf stuff and um you know, a bit stronger, then of course, you know, yeah, like the rocket influence, and but there's definitely more going on than just that. I think so, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're really, really into a lot of just, just like really primal rock and yeah. roll stuff. So, yeah, I um, in my research it led me to just listen because I never I missed the boat on Rocket from the Crypt. So did we? Yeah. And uh, I mean, like it, it's yeah. only recently that I've become aware of them, and because yeah. I'd always heard the name, and yeah. like, the last week I've been like, oh yeah, I like these dudes. Yeah. You guys don't have any tabs, do you? No. No, no. no. Okay. I don't have a tab. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> um, so, where do we go from here? What's next? Uh, I have notes, but they're not very good. My cell phone's completely <laughs> busted. Check those flashcards, um, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you guys come through Colorado fairly fairly often, it yeah. seems. Uh, what brings you out here this time? It's only like the three days, It's only, right? yeah. Basically, like, we've just, we've pretty much from when we started the band, like, just my attitude was, if you, to become a real band, you have to tour your ass off. And so we started, like, you know, just touring when no one knew us. It was probably not smart, but we just did it. And yeah, you know, and that's, and so we built it up. So we've been through a lot of places now. And, and you know, the past year or so, it's been starting to get, you know, decent and pretty good a lot of the time. So, like, we've just always come through Denver, and Denver's like amazing the scene yeah. there is so good so, i know so we um are always you know it's almost it's, it's very close to the bay and latitude so we're always driving right through 80 and um we made, made some good friends there and the aok's asked us to play their five-year anniversary show and we're like well there's gonna be like 300 people there so yeah. we better go do it and um then we set up this show in salt lake city so cool. yeah and we, uh, you guys are headed to salt lake tomorrow yeah yeah or i guess probably right now yeah. huh yeah. Oh. No, we're gonna go back and sleep, and we'll leave at like eleven or something. That's yeah. a t- that's a hell of a drive yeah. too. Well, we drove what eighteen yeah, hours yesterday, like twenty hours from the bay to Denver. <laughs> yeah. right yeah. up, but it was worth it because we got to play at the Agent Orange today too. Oh, nice. There was a secret show. And yeah, <laughs> jumped on. I, so. I shot Aaron an email saying if they wanted to play tonight, we probably could have set it up. But yeah, whatever. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know why I even Denver. showed up, but it was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, right. They were cool, and it was, was really good. Packed show, that. so it's been good. 
It's been a good little run. Nice. Yeah. Um, so uh, an idea, I, I did an interview a few weeks, uh, months ago with uh, the drummer of Lawrence Arms, Neil Hennessy, and uh, Isaac, the singer of a band called Arrival. They have a side project called Treasure Fleet. Anyway, they were talking about, like, we were talking about them bonding. They were talking about what they bonded over over those late night drives. Like, how did you guys come together as a cohesive like uh, our uh, van is like enough. is like violently silent. We uh, just probably, we just like sleep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, you know, just your standard. I think like, it's I think playing so many shows I think, so yeah, quickly. It's, a, it's like yeah, because like when we started, it would we would just have shit show after shit show, and uh, it, I think it was kind of like just the fact that we would just play these terrible shows, and it was like we were like stuck in like a fucking like battle together. And yeah, just, like, everyone believe, you know everyone believed like, in it and had faith yeah. in it. So and you know it's. It's definitely still tough too. Yeah, so. it's tough sometimes. But yeah, I but, think like when you go through like all those shitty nights together, it's like you know that kind of what looks like keeps you together. Yeah, I think it's right. as simple as that. It either breaks you up or keeps you together. Yeah, <laughs> it depends about the chemistry. So, yeah. 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 if you can take everything with a grain of salt, you're fine. Yeah. So yeah, it's just about having fun, and, and, and it's being good in those situations because I've been on tours where yeah you just sit in the van nobody talks to each other and, it's like, and it, you get home and everybody's like oh how wild an adventure was it and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty tame actually you just sit in silence most of the time <laughs> fun um, so uh, I, I know I've said it like 15 times I keep forgetting the hottest thing that's cool you work in a recording studio yeah you get, did you get to record this album for free, pretty much? Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what is this question that I have here about that? So I, I, I dropped my cell phone and I completely destroyed the screen. That's so fine. It's, it's fun trying to... Peter's got one just <laughs> like that. I'm trying to read it. Um, yeah, what, 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 other than free recording, what are the perks? I know in other interviews you've said that you've overanalyzed every song but yeah it's it's i mean it's the the atomies like recordings were still figuring them out it's uh i, I really like the way the hottest thing is cool but kills her city not as much because like i said i like lost my mind <laughs> over analyzing the hottest thing was great we recorded like a month you just it was really easy i mean not every day but you know and and uh but yeah we're always like trying to figure out cool new ideas to record and make it more wild and stuff because it's hard to translate this type of music to a recording and every band yeah. that plays it has had that problem I think so yeah. so yeah. we're more of a live band but we're trying to find a way to make our recordings just fit better yeah. I'd say it's getting crazy. there though I mean, we're getting there it'll never, it work. It never works <laughs> I, I, I thought I, I think it, I think it's I, I mean, from tonight, I thought it. I thought it. It's the album is a good representation. Yeah, of totally. This. No, I think it's totally solid. It's just, yeah, they're this guy is like a crazy nutcase with like. If we distort this, it'll be more live sounding. I'm like I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we're, we're just gonna fuck around until we find the perfect mix of whatever. Nice. It, yeah, it's difficult. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. do, do you ever want to work with anybody else, or are you just more yeah. comfortable? With yeah, no, I work with tons of bands. I mean, I've I've recorded the Queers. I've done tons of Mike Park stuff, Classics of Love. Nice. Uh, just, yeah, the list goes on. But I, I mean, more or less, like, would you ever go into somebody else's studio? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, both I mean, yeah. yeah, just like, just yeah. No, I, that's what I do. I, I don't have a studio. I, oh, I work at out of, out of a out of what? a company. I'm saying like with a different producer. Oh, like Bill yeah. Stevenson. No, or, I wouldn't do Bill Stevenson. That would not. Work for us. Yeah, it wouldn't sound like us. <laughs> uh, um, uh, yeah, I mean, we would. I, 
it's funny we have it we've recorded so much and we've always been in control like I think it would be very strange but it might work if we got the right person it would be fun to try to have a producer yeah I don't know I don't know who it might happen eventually (laughs) you you never know I think I want uh, Rob the Green Day guy I want to go to Ghetto Reporters in Detroit no <laughs> Nothing special. <laughs> it's it's cool, but I mean, it's just it's not a great studio. Jim Jim Diamond, I, I researched him. He's he's a good guy. He's good. Yeah, he's good. But I, you know, we're not that trashy. So yeah, someday. No. <laughs> Sun. I want to go to Sun and record. That's yeah, we I might record at Sun. We've been. We've, I've been thinking about that for a while. We might make that happen. They still record at Sun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, night and night and night. Yeah, they yeah. do. Yeah, they and do tours during the day and then record at night. Yeah, we want to do like something there someday. But yeah, as far as producer, yeah, I mean, if we found someone who wanted to do it, yeah, we're poor, so. So yeah, I, I really didn't have that much prepped but uh so where do you guys want to take this next this whole big adventure we just want to try to do like some support tours more we went out with down by law in august which is really cool yeah Yeah, they went smalling yeah we went we went all through canada which was dumb but (laughs) it was was, they were were really really they were really cool a week in you know or two weeks in canada you start to question your life so why why is that i've never been to canada canada is a hell (laughs) it's just just so big everything's so no it's not that man like the people the people at shows are cool but the general person has like a stick up their ass, and they're if they see Americans, they try to fuck with you. Just like really regionalist, they like they're just like, yeah, like, like really like into just a perfect thing. scarier than a backwoods Canadian. No, a, per- a perfect no, a perfect example is when we were in a Walmart parking lot, a Walmart parking lot, and we were pulling some stuff out of the van, van, and Peter's belt dropped on the ground. Guy walks up, you gonna pick that up? This isn't this isn't a garbage dump. We're like. Come see that in Oakland, motherfucker. See what happens yeah. to you. It's so lack of cell phone service. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Man, Canada, it's just like a weird, they don't terrible, have... slightly worse version than the U.S. Everything is more expensive. Everything. They don't have the high-quality fast food that yeah, we enjoy no, here in America. Yeah, no, we're proud Americans and like fast food. And, dude, a, a Big Mac is like $9 there. It's insane yes. for no reason. I, I, mean, I, would, I would hate my Also, also the French Canadians, man. Like yeah, That's, that's like a whole... Uh, other no, level they're, they're, they're of hate right. towards, towards yeah, everything right. that's I, not them. No, I will talk. I, will talk. No, I went to a McDonald's and just because, oh, I mean, oh, I, I, they did not serve me. They did not serve me because I, because I, because I, I only spoke English. They did not serve me. Sorry. Pretty much. You know what I'm saying? Sorry. It's just that Sorry. type of. I must commend them on the vinegar on the french fries, though. That's pretty cool. I don't know. And the free coffee. And food they got free coffee, coffee. McDonald's. Canada, yeah, in short doses, it's fine. I wouldn't recommend going there for more than like yeah, three just, shows. Yeah, <laughs> and, that, and that's if you can get over the border. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. The border, yeah, dude. The, the border. I wonder about. I think I would think getting into Nazi Germany would be easier than getting into Canada. Yeah. It's it's insane. I don't think it was getting into Nazi Germany that was a problem. Oh, getting out. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but whatever. Those people are out of their freaking minds. The border patrol. Yeah. So just take it too far. They have some issues. How <laughs> nice. was uh, touring Europe for the first time? When we, was that? We, so we, we have oh oh. Yeah. oh we're, I'm we're, ahead of myself. Yeah, yeah. We're, that's one of the plans. We're going to go at the end of this year, and we're like very very excited. Of, of yes. thirteen. 
Yeah. The end of 13? Yeah. It's already booked and planned? No. Oh. Well, there you go. <laughs> no, we're, we're, I mean, we're just waiting for the it's, best it's, time, it's you know, gonna, like once we're ready and all months. that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, want to make sure we we're going to conquer the world soon enough. <laughs> nice. But yeah, I mean, we just want to keep touring and build it up and it's been happening slowly but surely, but yeah. we're just uh, definitely not doing what's cool, which is unfortunate that it's so driven like that in punk. So we kind of just... Well, it, and it, but that's also at the same time kind of a breath of fresh air yeah like, oh, for people for people thing. who want that right. you know what I mean which a lot of people don't because it's mess you know conformity again or something I don't know there's people though I mean I'm not saying yeah it doesn't really matter I, I don't really I started to think less of us as like a punk rock band yeah and I think it's better that way because it doesn't really put us it doesn't really limit us at all and that I, I just think that's a better way to think of music cool. yeah. Yeah. yeah just straight up rock and roll no, no labels man labels yeah. limit <laughs> they limit us labels limit the train of thought and creativity yeah, we're, I would say we're a punk rock and roll band <laughs> <laughs> it works it's good it's chaotic punk rock and roll band yeah. I, in cha- watching it live it's not as chaotic as it sounds on the recording but it still is. It's I don't funny know. It's though. Nice. It's I, fun. People say that a lot, and it's funny because it's very precise. Right. But that's like all chaotic music, I guess. It has to be super, super like the locusts were beyond right. precise, you yeah. know, or something like, like that. Dillinger yeah, escape. Exactly. Like it's, <laughs> it's, yeah. Exactly. yeah. But um, so yeah. So what's next for the rest of this year? You guys are going to go home and yeah, we're gonna. Speaking of Canada, we're going to Pusa Fest. Nice. And uh, let's hope, let's hope French there. Canada. <laughs> let's hope those people for don't one get a hold day, of this. One, one day, day. and uh, we're gonna do like a big tour then in May, and then a uh, little thing in April, and then most try to just do some sports stuff. If not, doesn't matter. We'll just tour anyway. So, nice. and then do Europe. That'll be the big thing. Yeah. So, I uh, I'm gonna interview Mike Park here soon. Oh, yeah. I think. Nice. Cool. Uh, he, uh, I coming through with the Yo Gabba Gabba. Yeah, yeah. Nice. And I was trying to get backstage. I was like, "Can you get me into the Yo Gabba Gabba?" He's like, "Dude, it's I only get like two guest lists a show. It's yeah. really weird. It's really kind of corporate, even though it's not." Or yeah. he didn't say all that. I'm reading all. He was like, eh, "It's not just not a punk rock show type deal." Right. But uh, I'm gonna try to interview. But he's I've already interviewed him like ten years ago. He's one of the greatest dudes in the world. What's it like to work with him? I mean, it's other awesome. than he's the greatest dude in the world. <laughs> what shocked me was how much he knows. Like. About garage punk, I was like, he's like, all right, so you guys like got the mummies thing with this and that and the new amateurs. I was like, aren't you like a sky guy? And I knew Mike well before that, but when he signed us, he was just like, like all he knows, he really knows knows his shit like that. And I thought that was really cool. And um, so I, you know, it's just awesome. It's a great label, and uh, they have a bit of everything, which is good. And He's just a good guy, and, you know, he's a good guy to have on your side. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I've got buddies in other bands that will remain nameless, but they've left, like, prestigious labels yeah. to go to Agent yeah. Man just because they get that one-on-one service. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. that's the truth. Like, you feel like you're the only band in Asian Man. I don't know how he does that, but that's how I feel. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, it's it's cool. And, uh, yeah, he's out, you know, Gabba Gabba. I recorded the backing track he's using. Nice. <laughs> Hopefully I can get For in the to children see of America. Yeah, it's cool. It's funny. Cool. Um, what about you guys? What do you, what do you guys got going on when you get home? Work? School? Work. Life? School girlfriends. I'm really focused on school right now. Nice. What are you going to school for? for What's up? What are you going to school for? Man, I'm actually I'm still going to a community college, but I'm going to major in music. 
I'm going to try and go for it. You're majoring in the School of Music and Life right now. It's going to be their music or medicine. He wants to be a surgeon. He won't listen to you. We've talked to him a hundred times. The school thing isn't going to work. I mean, I just want the theoretical side of it. Nice. Just kind of round it. Yeah. I, I let people talk me out of going to film school. They're like, oh, just go fucking make a movie. I never made a movie, but I would have been fascinated to actually learn the art of, yeah. like, the schooling of it. And I wish I could go back and slap myself. Go to fucking music or film school. So, um, I just kind of want to completely well round myself when it comes to the whole oh, music thing. Nice. Personal preference. Haters don't hate. Yeah. Yep, we do hate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you. Do you have any tours planned already next? Oh, yeah. No, cool. we're, he's, we're going without him whether or not he wants to. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. We're not putting our lives on hold so we can go to music school. Mm-hmm. I don't expect that either. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I, um, do you guys have any tours already booked, planned? Oh, yeah. Yeah, April and May. Who, who are you going out with yourselves? Just ourselves, cool. yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we mostly tour by ourselves, I feel like. We, we get like support tours sometimes, but, you know, if we can't get anything else, we just... It's better to just go out with ourselves. Just go ourselves, along, because we should pay ourselves, you know, break <laughs> Yeah, yeah. God, I, I've had some package tours come through the other venue I work at, and the opening bands get paid like fifty bucks a day. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. how do you guys survive? <laughs> and they don't sell any merch because the, the op- I don't, yeah, I don't get it. It's, so. it's tough. Yeah. It's, really it's tough. probably good to go out with someone else, but if they're like a pretty big band, yeah. you know, like a decently big big band. Nice. You know, Cool. Well, I, I'm out of things. You guys got anything else you want to talk about? No, just thanks a bunch. Yeah, yeah, thanks so much, man. Pleased to be here. Cool. Yeah. Well, alright, buddies. Well, we're about to hit 10,000 downloads. Whoa. Alright, I'm sorry, buddies. I've been, I, I'm not gonna lie, I've been drinking a little bit of booze here. We've been drinking a little bit of hooch. I've been drinking a little of this Crank Anchor IPA uh, by Adeline Brewery. I believe that's brewery. It's a fine Colorado brewery. It's a fine. Colorado IPA, and uh, we're celebrating 10,000 downloads here, and by we, I mean me sitting here by myself, uh, yeah, that's not sad at all, I'm not going to go cry myself, no, anyway, buddies, thank you for the Adam A's for hanging out and talking with me, I apologize for not being so, um, for not feeling so well that night, but I think we got a, I think we got a pretty good interview, next time we're going to do an even better interview, uh, those guys just announced a whole set of new tour dates, they're going to be going out in April, uh, you can go to adamage.com and find those new set of tour dates, it's only the first set of what's much more, much, much, much more to come, and again, thank you to Mr. Yale Stewart for hanging out, I don't know why I keep calling him Mr. Yale Stewart, I think it's because I got the Adam Age, Mr. Yale Stewart. But anyway, you're a fantastic artist, fantastic young gentleman. Thank you for uh, joining me today on the show. And uh, please, look, you can listen to the Adam Age and be like, damn, that's a pretty good band. I should go check those dudes out. You can't listen to Yale Stewart's illustrations. And if you could, you know what those illustrations would sound like? They'd sound awesome. So please, go check out JL8. Go check out Gifted. Uh, I'm going to throw the links all the way up on MostlyHarmlessPodcast.com or if you're lazy, MHPOD.com. Uh, we're going to have the links to all his art, all the Adam Age, and uh, please check him out. And if you're a fan of the podcast, if, you're, if this is your first episode turning in, you're like, hey, man, you know what this Damien dude? He's ridiculous, but I kind of like his speed. Please go visit us on uh, MostlyHarmlessPodcast.com. Please go visit us on iTunes. Leave us a review. Even if you hate the show, leave me a review. It, we're about to hit 10,000 downloads. Again, not that big a deal, but you know how how little 
feedback I get, good, bad, the ugly, please give me something, man. I know I talk too much, but, man, nobody ever tells me that, so I'm just going to keep doing it. Uh, again, thank you, guys. 10,000 downloads. That's fantastic. I'm ridiculous. I'm retarded. I'm going to go out here this week. I'm going to go buy a 12-year uh, – I, I saw when I was buying these beers at the liquor store, I saw a uh, 12-year-old bottle of McLaren Scotch for 60 bucks. I'm going to go buy it here in the next couple of days and sit it on my shelf until we hit 1,000 downloads in one week. That's all, that's all I want, 1,000 downloads in one week. Maybe this will be the episode. I don't know. Just uh, remember to share to your friends, review us on iTunes, love me, hate me, whatever. I don't care. Let me know because I love you. And I'm going to stop rambling. We're going to end this episode with another track from uh, the Adam Age and the Hottest Thing That's Cool, out now on Asian Man Records. Uh, this track is going to be called the, the Hottest Thing That's Cool. Again, please check it. Please uh, visit mostlyhomelesspodcast.com. Reviews, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. Again, friends, this is The Hottest Thing That's Cool off The Hottest Thing That's Cool by the Adam Age on Asian Man Records. Until next week, this is Mostly Harmless Podcast, signing out.